Welcome to Fire and Water, the podcast, coming of age in this age, where we cultivate wise leaders one show at a time. I'm Quanita Robertson, and this is Tennyson Wolf. And today we're talking about the gifts of these times that we're in. Tennyson, what are some of the gifts that you're finding? Ooh, well, I, I'm, let's see, I'm going to come at that just a little bit uh, differently. So yes, yes for the gifts and yes for the hopeful, but I want to just set a little context here. Because you and I have been in this conversation, and I, and I know that a lot of people have been in this conversation. Uh, earlier this week, I am in an email conversation with a couple of friends, and one of them in a very, very thoughtful way, speaking around coronavirus and, 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 and the everything of it, his version of the everything of it. Uh, he wrote that he was angry and sad and confused and hopeful. And I just immediately felt like, oh, hell, you know, I, I so relate to all of that. I am not a neat and tidy package of hopeful. It is spiced with the confusion. Um, you know, the confusion of, of uh, systemic interrelatedness, which is both impressive and, you know, holy, holy, holy shit kind of stuff. Uh, the sadness of, uh, for me, you know, my version is some of the, and, and, and in some areas of this country and in other countries, uh, people are dying and there aren't enough ventilators and there are, are no more, you know, ambulance drivers and, uh, physicians and medical people that are exhausted and overwhelmed and vulnerable themselves. You know, there's sadness in that. There's there's anger in it. You know, just in a reactive way, of uh, of uh, yeah, the part of me that that wants to return to some ease, wants to even return to some numbing. So I want to name that all of those coexist with some hopefulness. For me, there is hopefulness also. And <clears throat> I'll name it as a, uh, and, and then I want to shift back to you because this is, this is the part of conversation that I really wanted to catch and be able to share. There is some hopeful for me. There is some hopeful that, you know, we as a collective species of human beings living in these times, arrive at a certain uh, added humility or an added, uh, I, I, like I feel like the words fail here, but there's some, there's some kind of added appreciation for our resilience, yes, but also our vulnerability. I'm hopeful that we've interrupted this sort of stream of we are in control of all things. We can even beat down nature. We can, you know, with all the will in the world, control things that are not meant to be controlled. I, I think this is one of the storylines that's being so challenged as human beings. And I'm hopeful that there is an interruption in the certainty of such a storyline. 
Now, all of this is to say, Quinita, the conversation that you and I just came from, <clears throat> where you reflected a little bit on uh, somebody else asking you about what you feel hopeful for, and you named a couple of things. And to me, these feel like just really, really um, important things. And also there are things under the things under the things that I think are an essential part of the, you know, the, the human storyline that some of us are trying to name. <laughs> Would you speak a little bit from there? Um, yes, but I'll start with the anger first. Mm -hmm. I'll go through your line of anger, sad and hopeful. And so some of the anger that I felt at the very beginning was when we started shutting things down, that we showed that when needed, we could shut things down within days. Mm -hmm. And the anger for me as a woman of color is that we showed that when we have the will, we can do it. But we haven't chosen to do it with our poor education system. We haven't chose to do it with um, kids in poverty and dying. We haven't chose to do it in you know, um, our homeless population across the country. We hadn't chose to do it when so many people of color were getting shot and killed by the police. Mm -hmm. And so there's a hypocrisy mm -hmm. in the fact that when you see that, oh, when we want to do it, when we have the will, we can. Yeah. And that we just haven't chosen. It hadn't been important enough to us. Mm -hmm. which has then also some grief in it, right? Because for me, the anger, what's underneath the anger is just the deep grief and sadness in that. Mm -hmm. um, another piece that was just have been sad to me mm -hmm. is um, the quick rush that we went into um, moving from being in person to online. Mm -hmm. Because even our schools didn't freaking give kids one or two days of just being home to deal with the change and the drastic change in their life. Mm -hmm. We didn't even take a moment for our children to adapt. Mm -hmm. They had to go that next Monday and they had schoolwork. Mm -hmm. right? um, and so there's grief in that for me. There's grief and sadness in that for me. Of course, there's grief and sadness in the fact that people are, are dying, but people are always dying. Mm -hmm. You know, it speaks some to our relationship with death, our relationship to community, our relationship to our own grief. Um, and so that was sad to me. There was mm -hmm. a lot of grief. Mm -hmm. um, I was asked earlier today about where do I see hope? And my first answer was, um, the first part of my answer was that so many people are in pain. Mm -hmm. And to me, the reason that that's hopeful is I actually feel like we've been in pain for a long time, but we haven't all known it. And so there's an awareness of the pain in us having to sit with ourselves mm -hmm. and be still or be in one place because the running actually keeps us from having to feel the pain. And if we don't feel it, we don't have an opportunity to really choose whether we want to heal it or not. So the opportunity to step into our healing I think is present in a way that it has never been before. The other thing that I said that I'm hopeful for is that even though, you know, I worked for Red Cross years ago and I've um, been through disasters and I see how people um, show up in one way in the disaster, but when the pressure is off, they often can go back to, yeah. you know, doing things like they were before. And um, one of the things I know though, is that we can't not know what we know. Can't unknow. We can't unknow. Yeah. Yeah. We can't not know it, what we know. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and so once you have that in you, 
you can pretend, you can deny it, you can avoid it, but you still know it. <laughs> and, and the work that we do with people when we're constantly inviting them into themselves, we're constantly inviting them into quieter places, mm -hmm. into sitting and asking questions within themselves that are deep kind of questions about where they're at, what's happening to them, inviting them to feel some of their own pain, mm -hmm. that this offers an opportunity for us at the other side of this to invite people in to remember mm -hmm. that can help give them more of an opportunity to themselves as well. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, I wanted to just bring some of this out into, into the recording that is a podcast because <clears throat> there's so many people that are in so many things as it pertains to coronavirus. And uh, there is something important to me about continuing to see sort of the, the broader storyline. It is not to deny the day-to-day. -day. Like I've been telling people, um, it's an important time to be with your communities. And for some, that is virtual communities. And for some, that is like, don't forget your neighbor. Don't forget the person next door. Don't forget the person down the hall. And, and all of that is, you know, even those have some strong doing energy in them. And let's celebrate the, you know, the good that's in that. I don't want to miss the deep inner journeys that some of us are afraid of that create this kind of, now I know this about myself and I can't unknow it. Maybe it's, how we relate to community. Maybe it's our own relationship with fear, maybe, or more of our own relationship with fear. Maybe it's our own relationship with death or uncertainties. I know for me, I feel, you know, uh, uh, I feel challenged into another layer of what's already happening. I've been seeking this relationship with letting go for a long time. Uh, like, you know, arguably a lifetime, let's say. But to come into more consciousness or more nuancedness or more surrender or more whatever that is around lettings go, to me that has something to do with, with how we as a, as a species, humans living in these days, in these times, might, might like grow into something richer. Whew, I feel, you know, I feel some hopefulness around that. And I, I still feel my own wobble of like saying those things in the midst of um, so much of the systemic challenge that is happening right now. Well, and I think that for me, it's, it comes back to this point, and I've said this several times over the past couple of days of whether or not we believe. Mm -hmm. that we're spiritual beings having a human experience, mm -hmm. or we think we're human beings that sometimes have spiritual needs. Because depending on which lens you look through, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even um, advocating one or the other in this statement. I'm just saying that whichever lens you're looking through, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to us today um, and for supporting Fire and Water, the podcast. 
coming of age in this age. If you wish further information, our shared website for Fire and Water is fireandwaterleadership.weebly.com. My site, Quanita, is www.mizuzu.com and Tennyson Wolf is www.tennysonwolf.com. Thanks, everyone.